Thank you for listening to this podcast that is part of a series dedicated to the 15th edition of Fonts Event. And the theme of this year's event is the New World Order. In this podcast series of nine episodes, the partners of Fonts Event will present investment ideas that align with that New World Order. In this episode, asset-backed securities face the same challenges as other fixed income segments. And therefore, sector and security selection will become more important in the coming years as the economy softens. My name is Marije Groen and today's guest is Gregory Fink. Greg is portfolio manager and head of the securitized team of global fixed income at Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Greg, a very warm welcome. Great to have you. Thank you, Marije. I'm very happy to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Greg, um, you have over three decades of experience as an investor, and I'm wondering what have you seen happening in 2022 that you haven't seen in the fixed income markets before? 2022 has been similar from past cycles, past rate height cycles, but also had some material differences. Um, Again, we came into this year expecting uh, the Fed, all central banks, to adjust policy based on uh, the inflation pressures that were hitting the globe. So we certainly expected the rate hikes that we've seen so far and certainly expect more rate hikes. And that's very similar to past uh, rate height cycles. I think what's different this year has been the kind of the unwind of quantitative easing by the global central banks. Uh, there's been an unprecedented amount of quantitative easing over the past couple of years due to the pandemic. And as central banks begin to reverse that policy by letting their balance sheets run off, um, we do, there are other effects on the market we've, this year. We've seen spread widening across most fixed income sectors and certainly impacts on equity markets as well as a function not just of rising rates, but also of the expectation of the balance sheet unwinds by the central banks. And I think that's what really makes 2022 different than uh, you know, past rate height cycles. Okay, so different indeed compared to, to other years. Um, we are here to talk about asset-backed securities. Um, my question is, why is this a relevant asset class for investors? And maybe more importantly, why now? I think it's always a relevant asset class. It's a, you know, if you look at the global mortgage and asset backed markets, they're over 12, 12 trillion in size. They represent about 14% of the global fixed income markets. So even under normal conditions, normal markets, I think they are a really relevant asset class. I think they're also relevant because they're often uh, offer diversification, a differentiation from other fixed income asset classes. Um, the correlations between global asset backs and other fixed income markets are much lower than other fixed income markets are with each other. So not, it's not only an c- important component from its size mark- of the market perspective, also diversification. But I think 2022 is particularly important. I think it's a uniquely positioned asset class for this year uh, to outperform the markets. Uh, the global asset-backed markets tend to have shorter durations. You know, a large percentage, almost half of these markets are floating rate assets. You know, certainly in a rising rate environment, floating rate assets present a great opportunity to protect yourself from rising rates. Um, even the fixed rate portions of this market are generally shorter duration, often two to five year duration assets. So again, better protected against rising rates. So again, better positioned for a 2022 environment. 
But away from just the duration, I think also just the fundamental credit of this market is in very good shape. You know, household balance sheets after two and a half years of record savings are in phenomenal shape globally. Um, so again, we're in a position where household balance sheets are in the best position from a both debt level and savings level that they've been in multiple decades. So we're entering this, this market environment, not just with short durations, but also with really sound fundamental credit conditions, which I think are really important for performance, you know, especially if we move into more challenged economic times ahead. Yeah, exactly like you mentioned, the market is becoming increasingly skittish, actually, about inflation, central bank measures. Um, just wondering, how does that affect the expectations for asset-backed securities? Well, I think it's a challenging year for all asset classes. I mean, we've seen, again, significantly increases in rates across the globe, US and Europe. Um, we've seen, as I mentioned, spread widening across all asset classes as a function of you know, primarily, I think, central banks' uh, reversal of uh, QE policies, but also potential recessionary fear. So again, it's certainly been a challenging environment when you have rising rates and you have widening spreads. You know, that said, I think going forward, um, it's well, one, I think asset backs have performed better this year, given their short duration profile. You know, while they have been challenged in this market, they've generally outperformed all other fixed income classes. Um, but I also think they're uh, poised to outperform for the remainder of the year and into 2023. I think one nice thing about this sort of reflation of yields of increases of rates and widening spreads is fixed income has yield again. You know, for the first time in you know, many years, we actually have pretty attractive, pretty compelling yields to this market um, and you know, a combination of wider spreads and rising rates. And I think that makes a really much more attractive go forward yield opportunity in this market, which I think is exciting. Mm. Asset-backed securities consist largely of consumer loans, uh, such as mortgages, uh, such as car loans, credit card debt. Um, Greg, do you expect these to still be repaid in the future? I mean, after all, the financial health of consumers is deteriorating uh, due to the higher interest rates, uh, inflation, and also maybe employment in, in case of a recession. What are your views on that? No, I think certainly economic conditions are deteriorating, as you say. Um, inflation is eating away at consumer balance sheets. When you have you know, 9%, 10% inflation kind of across US and Europe and only about 4% or 5% wage growth, that has a negative impact on household balance sheets. You know, combine that with you know, higher debt service costs as you know, sort of debt levels go up or as interest rates on debt levels go higher, that also challenges balance sheets. So certainly household balance sheets are slightly deteriorating. That no doubt about that. That said, we're also starting, as I mentioned earlier, from an incredible point of strength, the strongest point we've been in multiple decades. So even to get back to more historically normal conditions, you know, we can afford some deterioration. You know, these markets are positioned so much better today than they have been previously. And one other point, again, within the asset-backed market is, This is a market that really was the center of the storm of the financial crisis. So this is a market that in the post-financial crisis era was rebuilt to be much more robust, much stronger, much better structured to handle stress levels. These markets were designed to handle stress levels really in excess of the financial crisis. You know, while we think economic conditions are deteriorating, we don't think they're going to be nearly as extreme as we saw back then. So again, we think this market One is starting from a point of strength, and two is even if things do deteriorate more significantly than we expect, we think this market is designed to handle that very well and can hand, you know, it's been battle tested or rebuilt to handle significant degrees of stress and, and still have bondholders get paid in full. Mm -hmm. 
Greg, a topic I'd like to talk to you about is sustainability, obviously uh, a topic on everybody's mind. Uh, and we see that investors in securitized loans also want to have that positive impact on people, on the planet, on environment. Would you say that's possible with asset-backed securities? No, absolutely. I mean, ESG is a very important part of our approach to this market. I think the asset-backed markets are relatively newer to ESG versus the corporate credit markets. So there's been, you know, well-established third-party provide data providers for ESG for, you know, many, many years in the corporate markets and equity markets. Whereas that's still relatively a new phenomena or a new uh, dynamic within the asset-backed markets. You know, that said, this is something we've been focused on for several years now. We designed our own internal ESG scoring system four years ago. Um, and again, within the asset-backed markets, there's multi-dimensions of ESG. You know, from the environmental side, you know, we certainly look for, you know, properties uh, that have energy efficiencies or have, you know, uh, energy enhancing designs, you know, solar panel on residential homes or energy efficient commercial office buildings, etc. Um, and electric vehicles certainly within the within the auto markets. Um, and then there's also the consumer side or these the social side of, of ESG, which we think is an important part of consumer lending, making sure borrowers are treated fairly, making sure there is no predatory lending practices or servicing you know, mortgage or uh, debt collection practices going on. Um, and also, but on the positive side, making sure that you know, provi uh, providing capital can be a social good. If capital is provided in a socially responsible way, especially to disadvantaged communities, we think that's a very powerful social you know, positive for this market. Um, there are a number of both government agencies as well as private lenders who have very impressive programs of socially responsible lending designed to help you know, disadvantaged communities get access to capital in a very reasonable and responsible way. These are things we want to support. These are things we think make society better that have economically sound fundamentals. And yet, you know, we think also can have obviously profit capabilities for us too. So, you know, ESG is certainly becoming a bigger part of our market, something that we're certainly actively engaged in. Um, and we think it's only going to get more and more pronounced over time as this market, you know, evolves and catches up to kind of where the corporate markets are from an ESG perspective. Crucial to ESG uh, are data. Uh, I think we, we all know that. How well are asset-backed securities covered by ESG data uh, providers? And is there sufficient data to, to actually properly capture those ESG risks? It's not where it should be, and it's not where I think it will get to. Um, I think there certainly is the, the beginning of data providers. We're starting to see some government agencies, we're starting to see rating agencies, and we're starting to see a few you know, private uh, third-party kind of data providers enter the space. But it's still relatively new in the process, so there's something that is evolving. Um, so again, up till now, the onus has been on us to do our homework, to you know, have active discussions with originators and with, with lenders, um, with mortgage servicers, you know, and data. Uh, loan collectors, make understand their practices, understand what's going on with the borrowers, understand the properties and what really, you know, try to avoid any kind of, you know, the greenwashing or social washing that can exist in the market. So, you know, we definitely take an effort to do our own homework to make sure that, you know, we understand the fundamentals from a, not just credit, but obviously from an ESG perspective as well, and, and make sure we have, you know, have a good understanding of what value is being brought to the equation from an ESG perspective. Hmm. And, and maybe you can tell us a bit more about that internal analysis that you're doing uh, at Morgan Stanley Investment Management uh, for asset-backed securities uh, specifically. Um, so could you take us through your securitized sustainability framework? 
No, absolutely. Again, we've developed our own internal framework, as I mentioned. Um, we've developed a fairly simplistic five-point scoring system where you know, three is kind of average, what we, I would call normal course lending. Um, a four and a five is areas where we think there's positive ESG characteristics to varying degrees, and a one or two are obviously where there's you know, some problematic conditions, whether it be you know, uh, lending practices which you think are not quite as fair or equitable, um, whether it be some kind of carbon footprint that we think is disadvantageous for the environment. Um, but certainly, you know, we we think the majority of this market kind of falls into the average camp. It falls into the normal course lending, normal course business. We try not to, you know, greenwash or social wash and say, oh, lending can be good in general. We kind of say that is normal business. So we kind of look for extraordinarily positive characteristics to score a four or five. And obviously, you know, try to avoid anything that has uh, sort of negative elements either on the social side or on the environmental side uh, in terms of our investing practices. Um, next item on the agenda, Greg, is actually a pitch. This is relatively new, but in this series for Funds event, we allowing our partners to do a pitch, uh, which is why you now get the opportunity to convince our listeners that they should invest in asset-backed securities. And you will get exactly four minutes. So the clock is running. Are you ready? Absolutely. Thank you, Mariah. So first of all, as I mentioned earlier, I think the asset-backed markets, the global asset-backed markets, are a pretty broad and diverse landscape. You know, lots of different opportunities out there. Um, and I think that's one thing that's unique to this market. It really is kind of a global market with many different diverse asset classes, whether they be uh, consumer assets, whether they be residential properties, whether they be commercial mortgage properties as well. There's you know, an incredible sort of wide distribution of opportunities. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, in 2022, we think this market is uniquely positioned uh, with its shorter durations um, and you know, wider spreads. The average spread on asset-backed securities right now is, you know, on a comparable credit score rating, higher than corporate credit. So you're actually getting higher yields for shorter duration assets, uh, and what we think is a very compelling uh, fundamental credit proposition. As I mentioned earlier, we think the consumer balance sheets are in phenomenal shape. We think the housing markets, which again are a big component to this market, are in very good shapes. You know, we've had incredible home price appreciation the last several years across the U.S. as well as across in Europe. Um, and again, this is something that is, you know, builds in a lot of homeowner equity, builds in a lot of additional credit support by having those uh, home price appreciations over the last couple of years. So we think you know, fundamental credits are good. We think the duration is positioning is where you want to be for this market. We think it does provide diversification from other fixed income asset classes. You know, the correlations here are much less than other markets. You know, we do think a global approach is the right approach to this business. You know, having a investment landscape that is across both the U.S. and Europe and other regions outside there as well. Uh, I think you know, there certainly are you know, differences between these markets. There certainly are dislocations that can take place of relative value, particularly when most investors in this market tend to be more one-dimensional, tend to be you know, one uh, sort of subsector, whether it be U.S. or Europe, or whether it be uh, consumer asset backs or commercial real estate. Um, we take a broad approach across all these different asset classes, across all these different geographies, um, and we think that is the optimal approach approach to invest in this market, to really capture the best opportunities, to be able to avoid potential uh, landmines or pitfalls in these markets, uh, and really to you know achieve alpha, essentially to achieve alpha both at the sector level and at the security level. Um, and again, lastly, as I mentioned earlier, this is a market that has been reflated in terms of yields. Um, you know, fixed income for a large number of years, I would say was less than uh, compelling. You know, yields were at historic lows for the last several years. We have yield again in this market, and I think that makes it you know, 
know, again, really attractive in terms of the outlook for the remainder of 22, as well as into 23 and 24, because you know, this is a market that, you know, with solid credit fundamentals, has you know, a, a great go-forward yield prospects. And you know, again, we're excited about the next couple of years in this market. Wonderful. And you didn't even need four minutes to pitch that. <laughs> it looks like asset-backed securities could be one of the bright spots, like you say, uh, of things take on markets. Of course, I have a couple of critical notes based on, on, on what you just mentioned. Um, my first question is, why should I invest in an asset class that faces actually the same challenges as other fixed income segments and is also showing negative returns this year? Well, again, I think all asset classes are showing negative returns this year. Outside of maybe a few commodities, virtually every asset class, fixed income and equities, has negative returns this year. You know, that said, I think the asset-backed markets have had much lower negative returns or much less negative returns um, than other markets. Uh, I think, again, the shorter duration profile has been a more defensive positioning for the environment we're seeing and you know, really the environment we're still in, where I think rates will likely continue to rise from, from where we are today. So I think it's you know, better positioned than other markets for that. Um, again, I, I do think the fundamental credits are really good. Yes, we're moving into some troubled times, uh, but I think this market is you know, has the foundation uh, from the financial crisis of being built you know, really strongly and with significant levels of structural credit protection. Um, and again, I think these spreads currently in this market are, on average, wider than what you find in corporate credits. So I think you're getting you know, attractive yields with good fundamentals and short duration. I think that is a compelling proposition for this year. I think it should, it has outperformed almost all other fixed income asset classes. I think it should continue to do so over the balance of this year and into next year. I think it's you know, poised right now to continue to outperform. Mm. And, and what about concentration risk? Because wouldn't you say investing in asset-backed securities carries maybe too much concentration risk as U.S. mortgage-backed securities are very dominant within this uh, asset class? But again, that gets back to where we have the very diversified approach. Um, again, we, we do invest across the U.S. as well as in Europe. We do invest across residential mortgages, commercial mortgages, as well as a wide range of asset backs. You know, some being consumer-based, such as auto loans and credit cards, other being more corporate-based, whether they be uh, industrial leases on you know, rail, rail cars or on containers or aircraft leases, etc. So there's a wide range of you know, diversification with, even within the asset back markets. Again, the, I don't think the commercial real estate exposure in Europe is that highly correlated to the residential exposure in the U.S. So again, having this broad approach, you can create diversified portfolios within an asset-backed market um, and give yourself not just diversification against the broader fixed income markets, but even diversification within your own portfolios. Let me throw in another maybe challenging uh, statement. Uh, U.S.-backed securities market will, will maybe never get rid of its bad name in Europe because of the financial crisis uh, of 2007, 2008. Uh, what would you say about that? I mean, I think that's created an opportunity. As, you know, I think one of the reasons spreads in this market are wider than in corporate credit are because of some of the legacy fears. I mean, the financial crisis was a very severe event and a very painful event for many investors. You know, it's been 15 years, but memories don't go away that fast when, you know, scars are deep. Um, so I think there's a lot of concern, a lot of fear in this market that still exists even 15 years later. And I think that's actually positive. I think that's created one more conservative investor attitudes. Again, I think both from a rating agency perspective as well as from an investor perspective, we're demanding higher levels of protection and we're demanding higher quality lending practices, much more conservative lending practices by uh, residential lenders or consumer lenders. Um, and it's kept spreads wider. You know, one reason, again, spreads are wider in this market than other markets, I think is because this legacy fear. But I think this, like, I think having gone 
gone through that crisis has made this market better in many ways. It's kept values cheaper, which is, again, attractive from an investing perspective, and it's created a much more solid fundamental credit framework um, than certainly existed before the crisis or may exist, and certainly than may exist in other markets as well that haven't been through such a crisis that we went through, basically. So we've learned since then. Yes. (laughs) Um, So we spoke about uh, sustainability uh, and obviously sustainable asset-backed securities would be good marketing. Uh, My statement is there's too little reliable ESG data and too much green and social washing going on. No, absolutely. Uh, it's something we are very watchful for. Um, again, we do our own analysis. We don't take a you know, social bond at face value or a green bond at face value. Um, we do our own assessment. We talk to the lenders. We want to understand their lending practices. You know, we, we, lenders, we want to understand the collateral. You know, how real are the energy efficiencies that they're advertising? Um, so we do a very, just as we do a deep credit dive on all these assets, we do a deep you know, ESG dive of our own, you know, internal nature, um, to really understand what the ESG proposition is and make sure it's real. There are a number of bonds that have been labeled social bonds that we have deemed to be average, that we put, you know, three, as I mentioned, on our scale, because we don't think they're extraordinary. We think they're actually rather ordinary in terms of what they do from an ESG, you know, perspective. So again, we, it's a market that, there's a lot of different branding. I think there's a lot of different standards in terms of valuations. We've had to put our own stamp on what we view as you know ESG worthy and not. And I think we've taken a generally conservative tact on that, but I think that's the right tact in terms of you know not uh, sort of overstating the uh, positive qualities either environmentally or socially. And this is where your framework comes in. Yes, and this is where again our part of our analysis. It's you know it's, it goes uh, hand in hand with our credit analysis. It's it's you know it's part of the same process. Greg, we're reaching almost the end of this this podcast, but I would like to to look ahead with you, as we also do at at the Fonts event. Um, why are asset backed securities still a good investment in two thousand twenty three? I think again, the yield propositions are here. Um, as we expect to see rates continue to rise, expect central banks, uh, the Fed, the um, you know, ECB, as well as the Bank of England to continue to raise rates. Yields are only going to go higher on these bonds, as you know. So much of this market is floating rate, and so much of this market is short duration. They're the beneficiaries of rising rates. You know, we're going to be, I think, by the end of this year, even at a higher yield level than we are today, particularly for short assets, in particularly for floating assets. Um, so I think you know, 2023, we should start the year with a very attracting prospect. You know, yields in this market today are already more than double what they were beginning of the year. Um, so again, we've already seen significant kind of reflation of yields you know, to date. And I think more of that's going to come over the remaining you know, four months of this year. Um, so again, we're excited for next year. We're excited for the balance of this year. I think we've weathered the storm of rising rates and widening spreads reasonably well. And you know, obviously, not you know, still with some marginally negative returns, but nonetheless, better than other markets. But I think now, we're, you know, given having we've gone through what we believe is the majority of rate increases and the majority of spread widening impacts, I think we're now actually well positioned for the balance of this year in 2023 being you know, very profitable years for the asset-backed markets. Finally, Greg, uh, sector and security selection will increasingly become important as the economy softens. Maybe you can just explain that 
a bit more. No, absolutely. And I think you're right about that. And that's one reason we think the global approach to this market and diversified asset approach makes sense. Because there will be times in certainly sectors or regions that are more negatively impacted by the economic conditions than others. You know, for example, we have been shifting more of our portfolio from Europe to US this year, basically. Um, we had had an overweight towards Europe over the last several years. But given what we think are more concerning economic conditions in Europe, whether they be inflation or geopolitical risks, or obviously energy concerns. You know, we think Europe may have a more difficult time economically than the U.S. Not that the U.S. is going to be immune from economic pressures or potential recession, but we think you know, its impacts might be more mild. So again, being able to shift from a sector perspective you know, from Europe to the U.S., is being is part of our active management process, part of something that we believe is you know critical to adding alpha and to you know, also, also avoiding risks. Um, and similarly, sector-wise, again, we have concerns about some of the commercial real estate markets out there. We think some of these markets have been you know, severely impacted by the pandemic, that conditions may not return to pre-pandemic conditions. Uh, again, whether it be office uh, attendance, you know, the, the work-from-home dynamic might be a permanent phenomena um, to some degree, and that could change demand for office space. So there are moving dynamics in this market um, that we think having this active approach, having, you know, being able to utilize sector selection, uh, you know, both geographically as well as asset class wise are critical. And then obviously security selection always matters and even matters even more so when economic times become more challenging. When economic conditions are, are you know, good, everything does well. When economic conditions are challenging, there's a much greater differentiation between high quality performing assets and assets that might be more challenged. So, you know, again, we think tough economic times like we might be coming into, um, present a greater opportunity to deliver alpha, both from a, a sector selection perspective as well as a security selection perspective. Right. On that note, Greg, I'd like to thank you very much for this interview and also for your three-minute pitch <laughs> on asset-backed securities. It was a pleasure to have you. Now, it's my pleasure, Mariah. Thank you for the opportunity. I would like to thank today's guest, Gregory Fink, for his insights on asset-backed securities. This podcast is offered to you by Morgan Stanley Investment Management, and it was recorded as part of a series dedicated to Fonts Event 2022. For more podcasts, please visit the Fonts Event website, fontsevent.nl. And if you'd like to know more about Morgan Stanley Investment Management, please check out morganstanley.com forward slash im forward slash en dash nl. Disclaimer. For professional clients only, risk considerations. The value of bonds are likely to decrease if interest rates rise and vice versa. The value of financial derivative instruments are highly sensitive and may result in losses in excess of the amount invested by the subfund. Issuers may not be able to repay their debts. If this happens the value of your investment will decrease. This risk is higher where the fund invests in a bond with a lower credit rating. The fund relies on other parties to fulfill certain services, investments or transactions. If these parties become insolvent, it may expose the fund to financial loss. Sustainability factors can pose risks to investments, for example, impact asset values, increased operational costs. There may be an insufficient number of buyers or sellers which may affect the fund's ability to buy or sell securities. 
There are increased risks of investing in emerging markets as political, legal and operational systems may be less developed than in developed markets. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. Returns may increase or decrease as a result of currency fluctuations. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may lose all or a substantial portion of his or her investment. The value of the investments and the income from them will vary and there can be no assurance that the fund will achieve its investment objectives. Investments may be in a variety of currencies and therefore changes in rates of exchange between currencies may cause the value of investments to decrease or increase. Furthermore, the value of investments may be adversely affected by fluctuations in exchange rates between the investor's reference currency and the base currency of the investments. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy will work under all market conditions, and each investor should evaluate their ability to invest for the long term, especially during periods of downturn in the market. The views and opinions and or analysis expressed are those of the author or the investment team as of the date of preparation of this material and are subject to change at any time without notice due to market or economic conditions and may not necessarily come to pass. Furthermore, the views will not be updated or otherwise revised to reflect information that subsequently becomes available or circumstances existing, or changes occurring, after the date of publication. The views expressed do not reflect the opinions of all investment personnel at Morgan Stanley Investment Management MSIM, and its subsidiaries and affiliates, collectively, the firm, and may not be reflected in all the strategies and products that the firm offers. Forecasts and or estimates provided herein are subject to change and may not actually come to pass. Information regarding expected market returns and market outlooks is based on the research, analysis and opinions of the authors or the investment team. These conclusions are speculative in nature, may not come to pass and are not intended to predict the future performance of any specific strategy or product the firm offers. Future results may differ significantly depending on factors such as changes in securities or financial markets or general economic conditions. This material has been prepared on the basis of publicly available information, internally developed data and other third-party sources believed to be reliable. However, no assurances are provided regarding the reliability of such information and the firm has not sought to independently verify information taken from public and third-party sources. This material is a general communication, which is not impartial and all information provided has been prepared solely for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell any particular security or to adopt any specific investment strategy. The information herein has not been based on a consideration of any individual investor circumstances and is not investment advice, nor should it be construed in any way as tax, accounting, legal or regulatory advice. To that end, investors should seek independent legal and financial advice, including advice as to tax consequences, before making any investment decision. This material is not a product of Morgan Stanley's research department and should not be regarded as a research material or a recommendation. The whole or any part of this material may not be directly or indirectly reproduced, copied, modified, used to create a derivative work, performed, displayed, published, posted, licensed, framed, distributed or transmitted or any of its contents disclosed to third parties without the firm's express written consent. This material may not be linked to unless such hyperlink is for personal and non-commercial use.
All information contained herein is proprietary and is protected under copyright and other applicable law. Morgan Stanley Investment Management is the Asset Management Division of Morgan Stanley. Copyright 2022 Morgan Stanley. All rights reserved.